Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you'd like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by Dan. How you doing, Dan? Well, I suppose I'm doing fine. Yeah, yeah, you know, supposing is one thing you could do. But we're not here to be supposing, partner. Mm. We're here to be watching a movie. But before we do that, I want to know, what is your favorite thriller? Thriller, eh? Well, I suppose Michael Jackson is out of the equation. In this if you case. didn't say it, I was going to make that joke. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what kind of movies would you qualify as thrillers? Because, like... Movies that are... Horror movies, but without a lot of the, like, horror elements of them. Like, they, they have the suspensefulness of a horror film, but they don't necessarily have the, like, the scarier themes. So I guess a classic one would be that's sort of bordering on both is Silence of the Lambs. That is generally considered a thriller, not necessarily hmm. a horror. Okay. Let's see. I think my favorite one is... I forget the name of it, but it's one of the ones done by like uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. It's uh, the it it's the one where like uh, is it is it North by Northwest? The uh, with the plane scene where he flies over the head and it ends on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. That's 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 uh, and I you know what? Honestly, I shouldn't have said. I should have immediately gone to yes, literally anything Alfred Hitchcock has ever done is a thriller. Yeah, fair enough. But like uh, the, the that... birds and Psycho are kind of again on that line. Birds and Psycho are closer to Silence of the Lambs. So yeah. I don't know why Silence of the Lambs came to my mind first and foremost. Um, that's not even really my favorite thriller. But yeah, North by Northwest is a really solid one. Yeah, the only other one I was thinking of was like uh, uh, it's the one where like the guy's trying to find a lady on the train and like uh, and I think people keep disappearing, but I'm. Like strangers on a train. Is it might that be also that another Hitchcock. The, well, yeah, that's why I was mentioning. It. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while. I, I've have seen I. it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I would say probably my favorite thrillers, 
at least recently, I've been very much into um, Parasite, and I really liked, and this again bordered more into the horror side of things, but The Wailing, which mm-hmm. are both Korean films. I And then also, I guess another thriller would be, um, again, bordering on the horror side of things, Park Chan-wook's, not Old Boy, but uh, Stoker. Mm-hmm. And also, which is kind of one of his English language movies, uh, Stoker's a really good sort of psychological thriller. Um, I think it's one of my favorites of all time. I don't know. the, And then also, I guess, to add on to that, Thirst, which is also a vampire movie, but it's also kind of a thriller. Um, it's not really traditionally a horror film. So I, I like a, I think the Koreans just have a je ne sais quoi about their films where it's like, I really... And it might just be because they're not necessarily taking a lot of the, like english tropes that i'm used to in movies and so it makes it a little bit more thrilling to me it's true i mean like as a person who has consumed much media both here and foreign i can say that like uh, the more foreign the tropes the stranger it seems just looking from an outsider's perspective i think that must be what it is because realistically they're not doing a lot that's different in those movies but i think a lot of it is cultural sort of like norms that they're expecting you and then where they basically instead of being because you can go two ways with that like especially in the whaling where they're doing sort of like the exorcism the shamanic exorcisms you kind of lose a lot of the culture because you don't really speak it and it's not necessarily something that you're familiar with and that you grow up with but at the same time it's so weird and out there you can go kind of two ways with it you can either I guess is maybe probably the average moviegoer would see it as that's weird. It's taking me out of this. Or you can go, man, that's weird. That's cool. I want more of this. And then you're led on further into the drama, which then is pretty standard, but you it's, it's drama punctuated by odd cultural things. Yeah. And I guess that's also kind of a difference between even like a, like a movie we've discussed previously on this podcast, Godzilla from 1998. That's kind of the, there's also kind of a difference here between like uh, the tropes that are shown in like that movie versus the tropes that they would have in the uh, Japanese originals. Yeah, in the the, the Toho. Yeah. uh, Well, I guess that one was technically a Toho approved Godzilla. But go back and go back and listen to our episode on Godzilla from uh, by Roland Emmerich from 1998. It's a better movie than you remember it being if you've seen it before. Indeed. Give it another chance. Or even Godzilla and King Kong for that matter. But that's another matter entirely. Also go back and listen to our episode on Godzilla vs. Kong. Indeed. I wasn't a part of that one. Anyway, what are we we, uh, looking at today? Well, I'm going to read you a synopsis here. And I'm going to see what you think. This, This may or may not be right. I think I'm close on this one. Okay. A documentary of the rise and fall... Of the radical, fan-favorite pizza franchise of the 90s, it's Tombstone. (laughs) What do you want on your tombstone? Well, I suppose a heapin' and helpin' of bullets, my good sir. Uh, We are watching Tombstone from 1993, directed by George Cosmatos, who also did, I believe, Rambo First Blood Part 2. I don't know how they... It's it's a part two, but it's the first blood. I don't understand how Rambo movies work. Uh, neither do I, though that might be just because I haven't watched any Rambo movies. Uh, uh, I've seen them on TV, and they're okay. Yeah. Though I'm, 
Isn't, I, like, First Blood, like, the name of an actual nom- novel, and then, like, when they transferred it over to a movie, they called it Rambo First Blood? I think that's actually the trivia of First Blood, because that's the name of the book. I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, so if it's a part two, it might just be like uh, like they do with book movies nowadays, where they split them up into two halves for whatever reason. Maybe. I don't know. It seems superfluous. But yeah, we're, we're not talking about pizzas, which... By the way, here's here's a little hot take, right? I think, like, nine times out of ten, I would rather spend the money on a frozen pizza in most cases. Well, okay, not nine times. Seven times out of ten, I would prefer a frozen pizza, like a, good, like a decent frozen pizza, because one, you get more bang for your buck usually because it's cheaper. Uh, and two, you can cook it to your preferred doneness level. Uh, yeah. And three, like you get a good, like even like even like the tombstones of the world versus like the screaming Sicilians. Yeah, like they're both really good baseline pizzas. Yeah, I mean, heck, one of my personal favorites to get frozen is Jack's, and that's only because like their crust is so thin that it's almost like uh, eating out of a tortilla, yeah. slightly thicker. Yeah, it's it's literally. So that's my my hot take. There is honestly frozen pizza most of the time is better than like a delivered pizza yeah no that's fair uh, i'm uh, not going to dispute you on that now sometimes the delivered pizza or the the franchise pizza is definitely going to hit the spot more because it has like a certain feel to it but yeah that's my controversial yeah. opinion so what are you getting on your tombstone well no i guess i'll have the three meats in that case the three meats i'm gonna have here lies less more four shots from a 44 no less no more there you go uh which actually i think is one of the opening scenes of this movie, apparently, when I was going through trivia, like there's a gravestone that says, Here lies less more, and then it had that famous little poem, which is an actual real, like, it's an actual real tombstone. Huh. That's a real guy, I think. Um, uh, again, that, it, it, the trivia is to be believed. Eh, I'd believe it. You should hear the names that some Victorian Englanders uh, went by. Pretty sure one of them was just, like, evil. Evil? Yeah, e- I'm pretty sure that was an actual name for a kid in Victorian London. So that's where Evil Knievel comes from. That actually makes a lot of sense. Possibly. I mean, he is British, and as any good moviegoer knows, the British make the best villains. Yes, that's true. It, 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 contrary to popular belief, it is not the Germans. I've never once seen a bad German man on film. <laughs> something something did nothing wrong i don't know right. anyway just kidding but so we're talking about tombstone so this is a lot of people have looked at this when when i was like doing sort of like the litmus testing for this podcast like years ago mm-hmm. when i was thinking about starting this i'm like what are movies that you think are just the the absolute epitome of a movie that if you haven't if someone hasn't seen you like stop everything and make them watch tombstone was invariably probably the number one most suggested western weirdly enough like even over like the good the bad and the ugly or like the searchers or like once upon a time in the west or even like unforgiven was actually pretty close too weirdly but starring clint eastwood and morgan freeman i believe which was also a remake of a movie starring is it robert meacham in the original maybe i don't know i don't know I haven't seen, well, I've seen The Unforgiven. I haven't seen the original version of it. But, so this is this is a very big, glaring spot, especially for both of us who grew up with Westerns. Now, this was not a traditional Western. 
that because we grew up in a John Wayne household, right? Yes, sir, Pilgrim. That is uh, what we grew up with. I believe I have espoused my love before on this podcast for the movie True Grit, which is honestly kind of a nice mix between the niches of like uh, the cowboy fantasy versus the cowboy reality. Yes, it is a very good sort of like in-between movie. Yeah, and it's also like a decent comedy too. Oh yeah. It's got a lot Especially of... Especially the John Wayne version of it. Yeah, the John Wayne version of it uh, is... Well, I don't know which one you were talking about specifically, but the John Wayne version is sort of I a, mean... Okay, te- Rooster Cogburn's more of a comedy. Yes. Um, Still but... a good movie, though. Would recommend you watch it if you like uh, J- if you like John Wayne movies. Yeah. Also, if you like True Grit, the John Wayne version, like, Rooster Cogburn is a really good... It's the same character, and they're just yeah. basically like... Hey, we're adding in, um, uh, what's her face? Uh, the redhead lady. Ruth something? No, 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 not Hepburn. Um, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, that's the one. Not, I was, for some reason, I was thinking not Maureen, yeah. not Maureen O'Connor or, or O'Connell or whatever it is, or Maureen O'Hara. Donald O'Connor? No. <laughs> I think that's who I was thinking of. Uh. But yeah, it's literally, um, Maureen O'Hara. But essentially, yeah, it's, we, we both grew up on a lot of Westerns, but this was one where I think that we kind of missed out on this because it came out in 1993. You were not born. Not until later. Yeah, later in the, well, yeah, no, because that's, I don't remember, I don't know when this came out, actually. I think it was a summer blockbuster, so you, you might have been literally an infant when Mm -hmm. this came out. Uh, I would have been too young to probably watch this movie because I actually don't know what it's rated. It might be R- come to think of it so we definitely like a john wayne movie is not going to be rated r now there are some movies which are a little bit intense that we never watched like i think she wore a yellow ribbon and the searchers we never watched when we were growing up because they were like oh they're too they're too frightening because there there are some pretty heavy themes in those yeah no we did not i i distinctly remember only watching the searchers after i was a teenager yeah and i watched it obviously again shout out go back listen to our episode on the searchers but yeah, we, we kind of missed out on this because we were probably too young to watch this. So a lot of people who are saying like, oh, you need to watch it. It's essential. It's probably like the like the Xers in the audience who yeah. are like, oh, man, you didn't see this. It's like, yeah, you're of course I didn't see this, you old ass piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're making up for it now. Um, is there anything before I guess I guess go into the trivia? Is there anything about this movie that you know about, want to talk about or anything that's like. I know I've seen like a lot of like scenes of it where it's like, oh, I'll be your Huckleberry. Or like, you know, there's a lot of quote quotables to yeah. quote Jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about this movie. I have heard good things about it. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly that this is an adaptation of the Lincoln County War. It's not. It is not. It is a shootout at the OK Corral. Ah. Not the Lincoln County War. Damn. So Lincoln County War, and I thought that too when we were talking about this. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like the Lincoln County War stuff, which is, uh, again, taking it back to John Wayne, uh, like Chisholm yeah. is a Lincoln County War movie. Um, I think there's another one where he was mentioned being in the Lincoln County War. Was that Big Jake or? That that might have been Big Jake. It's been a while since Or the since Cowboys. It was one of those two where he mentions he was in the Lincoln County War. or Because he's had multiple characters who were in the Lincoln County War canonically but i think chisholm was the one where it's like this is just a movie about this yeah quite literally yeah um which was like you know pat garrett and billy the kid and all that which fun fact about billy the kid like if you've ever watched chisholm and he he says he's not good with rifles 
The real Billy the Kid was actually, like, at his best with rifles. And as a matter of fact, he only got really into the killing in the Lincoln County War because one of the sheriffs stole his prized rifle. He was not, like, the quick-draw sort of, like, gunslinger that he's usually portrayed. He was a extremely deadly sniper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun fact about Billy the Kid for you today. But anyway. This, yeah, this is, is about the shootout at the OK Corral, which, again, was also a... Um, these were... Like, there were actually other previous movies where the shootout at the OK Corral was portrayed. I think, actually, the shootout at the OK Corral... Was an actual movie, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, yeah, there was one, and that was starring, I believe, Robert Meacham. Mm-hmm. And Kirk Douglas, if I recall, from 1950? I mean, that sounds about right. Or 1955, somewhere in that like early 50s. But uh, apparently, allegedly, again, according to the... This is actually the Wikipedia entry, uh, if I recall. The shootout at the OK Corral was actually the first gunfight ever put onto screen. Hmm. And it was like in 1932, I believe. And it was... Um, uh walter houston i believe who is uh roger houston's dad mm-hmm. was like played wyatt herb hmm. yeah uh he's the guy who's the old old codger in um uh, uh treasure of the sierra madre ah. so it's that guy who played the original wyatt herb in the first ever shootout which was the okay corral uh at least the first hollywood the first Hollywood one, again, the Wikipedia says it was the first shootout ever captured on film. I doubt that, but I can't contradict it. I don't know, for some reason. I mean, one had to have been the first, so why not that? Yeah. At the very least, it would it would probably be, like, one of the bigger ones that was first brought to screen. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm excited about this movie because it has my boy, Snake Plissken, Kurt Russell in this movie. Oh boy. Uh, as the man himself, Wyatt Earp. Uh, mm-hmm. And it also has uh, Doc Holliday, that character played by Val Kilmers. Ooh. Uh, and then it's also got a bunch of other like character actors in it. I think Clint Eastwood plays a cameo in this. Or no, no, not Clint Eastwood. Charlton Heston. Ah, that that makes a little bit not more Clint sense. Not Clint Eastwood. Um, and let's see, who else? Uh, there's a... Uh, Oh God! What's his face? The guy from, the guy from Twister, the guy from Aliens, who's like game over, man, game over. Uh, God, what's his face? I don't remember his name, but he's that guy. Um, yeah. Bill Paxton. Ah, there we is go. in this. I think he plays Kurt Russell's brother, like like whatever, whatever. Not Wyatt Earp, but like it's something stupid, like Bill Earp or something. <laughs> well, I mean. The, well, you got two. Uh, you got two choices here. You can be Wyatt Earp, or you can be any other Earp, which is like it's not as cool. It's never going to be as cool. Exactly. Like, Bill Earp sounds like oh yeah, I just I just, just good old burp. <laughs> Bill Earp. <laughs> Daggone um, Bill Earp. Um, I don't know if yeah. that's his actual name in the movie. I I don't know. I've never seen. It, I mean, but be, uh, the better than list. Darius Earp or Derp. <laughs> Derp. Anyway, I don't know. If there's nothing else, I guess I'll go into trivia. Go on ahead. So, who was the original choice for the role of Doc Holliday, but had to be recast as Buena Vista said that they would not distribute the film if said actor was chosen? Oh, boy. They just were like, no, you won't. We're not going to distribute this film if you choose this actor. 
Was it A, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> B, Willem Dafoe, or C, Wesley Snipes? I mean... <laughs> oh, boy. Which Doc Holliday was played by Val Kilmer, by the way. That's who it ended up being. Yeah. But yeah, it was one of these three people. Uh, let's see. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. I know I've heard that name before, but I Blade. can't... Ah. I mean... Call me controversial today, but I feel like some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Let's go with uh, Wesley Snipes. Oh no! Oh no! You've just gotten us canceled. Um, oh no! Uh, you are thankfully wrong, and you've shown your privilege. Oh uh, no! It was actually Willem Dafoe. Because he had recently... Uh, I, I, I do appreciate your line of thinking, because it would have been a... As much as I like Wesley Snipes, it would have been a very weird mis... It would have been a very weird miscast. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was Willem Dafoe, because he was in the... Recently, uh, at this time, in the controversial The Last Temptation of the Christ, which they... Buena Vista found, if he is going to be the one of the main protagonists of your movie, we don't want Willem Dafoe there. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I honestly should have picked Crazy uh, Crazy Face Defoe. It's, it's okay. I I completely gamed this uh I, I, I game theoried this question for you. I, th- <laughs> I had to throw in the Nicolas Cage too because the last time you were on, or one of the last times we talked about Mandy, uh, and so I had to throw out some Cage Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just uh, can't see Nicolas Cage in a Western, though if he has been in a Western, I would see it. I think he's been in a couple Westerns. Huh. Maybe. Or maybe, I don't know, does uh, does Con Air count as a Western? I don't technically think so, but, I mean, hey, I've been Oh, no, before. there is there is a movie I've seen with him in it where he does wear a cowboy hat for, like, ten minutes, so that counts, right? I think that's that one where he's, like, the dude in, like, Las Vegas who, like, I think it's Snake Eyes. He, like, wears a cowboy hat in one scene. I mean, it takes place in Las Vegas. I'll allow it. It's in the West. <laughs> he wears a cowboy hat. All right. He shoots some people. Yeah, well, it's a Western. Now, now that my uh, clear biases have been shown, uh, let's move on to the next question no, before I, I get canceled even harder. That's true. Although I do, like I said, I think, you know, all of these actors were pretty big at that point in time, and some of them still are. Wesley Snipes, not so much, but you're right. Wesley Snipes would have been a very weird casting in this movie, as much as I think that, you know, every time I've seen him, I've enjoyed him in movies, but this is definitely not his role. Yeah, and especially I, I for, should have figured that. Well, and also at the time, by the way, this was in 1993, where they were not afraid to just like, all right, well, we're not going to tokenize characters, and we don't care what you think. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they would even whitewash characters, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes, you're right, wouldn't have been a choice, but I, not a boycottable choice. So, uh, question number two. So you're, you're, you're 0, for, 0 for 3 here. Um, or 0 for 1, sorry. You you haven't guessed the other two. Aha! Um, what other Batman actor besides Kilmer played a version of Doc Holliday in their career? Hmm. Was it A, Adam West, B, Ben Affleck, C, George Clooney, D, Michael Keaton, or E, Christian Bale? Okay, let's see. That was, uh, who are all the options? All of the Batman. All of the Batman. Well, okay, except for Robert Pattinson. I forgot to put him on this list. Well, 
I kind of figured Robert Pattinson hasn't played. I Doc figured Holliday. that one would have been a a gimme as a we can rule that yeah. one out. So I know Adam West has done a few westerns in his time. Then so and so is Clooney. I think they've all done westerns. Actually, if I recall, huh. Affleck has been in a western. Christian Bale has been in a western. Uh, notably, the one that comes to mind for Bale is, I believe, Three Ten to Yuma, the remake. Hmm. He was in that, starring opposite opposite. Russell Crowe, unless I'm completely mistaken, but I believe that that one was him and Russell Crowe in the remake. Hmm. It wasn't bad, but it really was not good, I, I think. Well, time to shoot my shot and hope I don't miss. I'm going to say Clooney. Clooney? Clooney. Clooney. Uh, I think he's like the, the one who's least likely to be in a Western of all of them. Yeah, fair, but I'm shooting my shot. But you should have gone with your original gut, because it was Adam West, Adam West. Oh, dang nabbit. Uh, he actually played Doc Holliday in three different television shows. Oh, wow. Uh, so I think Gunsmoke, I believe Bonanza, and then there was one other, I don't remember what it was. It might have actually been The Rifleman. Huh. Well, color me uh, color me surprised, Pilgrim. Uh, so yeah, he did actually play that. And another fun fact: other Batman actor Caesar Romero, also uh, who played the Joker, one of the best Jokers of all time, mm-hmm. also played Doc Holliday on TV multiple times. <laughs> Delicious. Yes. Uh, so also fun fact about this particular bit of trivia. Yeah. Do you know who also knew this trivia and? Was the it was the main reason for Val Kilmer being chosen as Batman? I mean, I would guess uh, the I would guess the director Joel of Joel Schumacher. Schumacher. He he knew that Adam West was played Doc Holliday, and he was looking for a bat. Every time, all right, let me get this out of the way. Every time I hear of a Joel Schumacher casting decision, it is literally the most insane shit I've ever heard. I mean, in fairness, if you're looking for a campy Batman, what better place to start than Adam West? And if Adam West and Val Kilmer both played the same character, stands to reason? I guess. Question mark? I guess. I don't... I don't know. It it really (laughs) is... It really is just bizarre every time Joel Schumacher... (laughs) Joel Schumacher has entered the chat. Every time he enters the chat, I learn something new and bizarre that is just like, what is going through your head, Joel? Like, what's what's your thought process there, Pilgrim? Because I don't I don't know, bud. What are you thinking? <laughs> anyway, so Joel Schumacher saw Val Kilmer in this role and said, you know what? He's the perfect Batman because he is just like Adam West, which also is, I guess, maybe a, um, I guess, a not an indictment, but a, a, a very clear path that you're an intentional choice of we're making this batman like the old batman not like the keaton batman we're making him like the old batman uh which kind of shines through in places great scott great scott so let's let's see if you can get this last one so that you're not a horrible failure what actor modeled his walk after the famous gate of the real life wyatt earp was it a robert meacham B, Clint Eastwood, or C, John Wayne? Robert Meacham, John Wayne. Who was the third guy again? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I'm going to say Meacham because, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Uh, John the Wayne famous John... Okay. 
All right, I'm going to stop you before you even reason this out. The, I, this one was the gimme. This one was the gimme. The famous John Wayne strut. <sighs> it's John Wayne. Well. Get off the show. Never <laughs> come back. Okay. No, but it was actually John Wayne. Now, Robert Meacham was actually the narrator for this film, for Tombstone. Oh. Uh, fun fact. But yes, it was John Wayne. So actually, the... Um, Wyatt Earp, who is the, I guess, of these characters, it's it's funny because when you're looking around at stuff, Wyatt Earp is a very memorable character, but one of the reasons is because out of all of those people, he actually, spoilers, I guess, for the movie, but survived, mm -hmm. and he essentially was a really good publicist, so he basically retired, but then he, like, consulted on like some early silent films for acting and stuff like that and then he also like was you know he lived out there like near the hollywood area and so the legend goes that young john wayne uh met with a very old wyatt earp and was so impressed at like his strut that he dedicated his entire life like to essentially gaining that walk in real life hmm so that's where you kind of see that famous sort of John Wayne, like, strut or swagger or whatever you want to call it, uh, is because he literally took it from the Old West legend Wyatt Earp, allegedly. Again, there's there's not a lot of, like, a lot of, like, people who are apparently, like, eyewitness to this meeting, but that's the legend. I guess when the legend becomes truth, print the legend, I don't know, as as in the, the other notorious John Wayne film um, the man who shot liberty yes. violence i've my brain i don't i don't know i i worked today and it was a long day i um, can imagine but yeah the man who shot liberty balance which is also a really good i didn't appreciate it when i was a kid i want to go back and watch it again because i feel like i would really absolutely love it now because it was a very dark john wayne film it it was which one's the one where he's with the kids again? Oh, that's the Cowboys. Right, the Cowboys. The Cowboys is really dark too, because kids die in that movie too. Like that's oh, like yeah. that breaks the whole like kids don't die in movies rule. Yeah, no, kids definitely died in the Cowboys. Let me tell you. Yeah, I guess spoilers, but we won't tell you which ones. Go watch the Cowboys. Cowboys is a really good movie. Yeah. It's sort of like that late era, like late era John Wayne sort of movie, like where. He's kind of transitioning. He he was transit. He was in a lot of like um, war movies, and then he's transitioning back into his western role. So it's more circa like it's before True Grit and Rooster Cogburn. Like he's a little young. He's a little. I think. I think if I'm correct, I think it's before those, but it's like after a lot of his war films. So he's kind of transitioning back into doing cowboy roles. And it's a really good film. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, so we're. We're done with the trivia. You've completely borked the whole thing. I may be one of the fastest shots in the West, but hot damn, do I not know how to aim. <laughs> hit or miss, I never miss. But you're like, no, hit or miss, I always miss. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're the fastest, yeah. the fastest miss in the West. You see this hand? That's as steady as a rock. Yeah, but this is the hand I shoot with. For for those of you who are who are wondering, it's the visual gag from um, Blazing Saddles where Gene Wilder puts up his hand and says, "Look at this!" and its hand his hand is very steady, and then he holds up his other hand and it shakes. I'm explaining this gag like all of you haven't seen Blazing Saddles. It's like 
And that's one. You, that's one I'd be more surprised. Honestly, that's the western I'd be surprised that most people hadn't seen. Yeah. Because I think Blazing Saddles, honestly, is probably a more iconic western to me at least than Tombstone. Again, hmm. it's probably because I haven't seen it. But it's it's like Blazing Saddles is one of those ones where it's like it's absurdly funny, but it also has some really good like western elements to it. Well, you know what. For those of you people who haven't seen Blazing Saddles and are wanting us to see Tombstone, how about while we go watch Tombstone, you guys go watch Blazing Saddles, and then we'll compare notes later, okay? Okay, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm fairly certain most people who have probably seen Tombstone have seen Blazing Saddles, although I don't know. I mean, it is one of those things where it... it I think Mel Brooks really does a good job of, like, when he does satire, like, he does a good job of actually portraying the thing that he's satirizing a lot like edgar wright yeah like he's sort of edgar wright's sort of like the modern at least when it comes to comedies because i actually tried to watch um last night in soho the other day and i like got 20 minutes like 15 minutes in and i'm just like i'm turning this garbage off i can't even i can't even with this movie so i didn't i didn't even finish it. i don't know what it's about it's about like fashion designers in london and, and i think there's maybe some weird like esp happening like, that it probably turns into, like, a weird sort of horror film maybe at the end, but I, I'm not sure. Um, it's got Carrie vibes, but, like, I don't care about any of the characters because it's all a bunch of people being cringe. Anyway, that's my tangent on Last Night in Soho. I never finished it. So if any of you want me to watch Last Night in Soho, uh, I guess, like, tweet about it and tell me to watch it if it's any good. You can tweet that at mwnspodcast on the twitter.coms. Um... So I'm expecting to have like a million followers now that Elon Musk is the king of Twitter. So um, yeah. thank you for all of the follows. Uh, may you live in interesting times indeed. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I feel like Blazing Saddles is just one of those movies, again, comparing Edgar Wright to Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks like, like Shaun of the Dead is not only a great comedy, but it's a great zombie film. It's a great horror film. Hot Fuzz, same thing. The World's End, I have to watch it again. It was an okay sci-fi film, and it was okay-ish being funny. It wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, but it wasn't as good as the other two. I think I was holding it up on a pedestal. But, like, Mel Brooks does the same thing where he's doing, like, you know, he actually does do, like, you know, in Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's a great Robin Hood movie. Oh, yes. And it's funny as hell. And Blazing Saddles, really good Western film. Funny as shit. Uh, Spaceballs. Yeah. It might be a better Star Wars film than most Star Wars movies. Indeed. Other than the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is the best Star Wars movie. Um, other than the original, the first Chris Pine Star Trek movie. Yeah. But. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then Young Frankenstein. And then Young Frankenstein, which is the best version of Frankenstein ever committed to film. I don't care who you are, what you say, what you think. It's the best version of Frankenstein ever put to film. Anyway, this is what happens when we get off on a tangent, folks. Uh, I guess we're supposed to be talking about westerns, um, or yeah. at least specifically Tombstone. So, what is Tombstone? Uh, being a western connoisseur, mm -hmm. especially of the John Wayne variety, um, and I have I have recently gotten into spaghetti westerns, and I have I've come to see the light that they are very good, but in a very different way. Um, they all have the same sort of they kind of have similar archetypes in certain ways. And we've talked about that before on previous episodes where I did discuss once upon a time in, in the West, which it might be my favorite spaghetti Western that I've seen, but what, what does this movie have to do for you to make it good, fun and unique as a fan of the Western genre? Well, 
I will admit, as a fan of the Western genre, I actually haven't seen all that many of, of the more, like, uh, realistic depictions of the Wild West, admittedly. Like Wild Wild West, starring Will Smith. Yes, the most realistic. Or Shanghai Nights, starring Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Yes, the most realistic of all Westerns. Yes. Uh, but... I was going to throw in Kindergarten Cop for some reason, because it just felt right, but I don't know why. <laughs> it's not know. a Western. Get to the kindergarten now! Get to the bus! I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger tells a whole bunch of kids to shut up in it, so it's got to be a good movie, right? It does. It's it's basically... It felt right. But anyway, what is it... Continue with your thoughts, sorry. I don't know. I guess for it to be good in my mind, it just has to stick the landing, I guess. I have seen movies that I have been excited for before and have been disappointed by. And, I mean, I guess the best way to put it is, like, as long as they don't fuck up, it sh I should be fine with it. Yeah, I think that's, again, and I've talked about it when, speaking of Jackie Chan, like, like kung fu movies, you have to kind of try hard to mess up a Western, especially if someone, if you like a Western, if you like Westerns, right, it's hard for you to... It's hard for somebody to, to mess up a Western for you to not like it. They have to really do something rough. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Western that I was like, no, that was just bad. I think I've seen Westerns where I'm like, I wouldn't watch that again, but it was okay. Like, that's sort of yeah. where where I kind of come into it. But I think you're right. What you hit on here was the point that this seems like it's a more realistic Again, it's, the it's 1993. It's not like 1950s, 1960s cowboy films, like, or yeah. even 1940s, 50s, like John Wayne era, yeah. where like uh, early the, era or late era, like like the Howard Hawks, the the sort of um, yeah, like uh, like I said, there's almost two different types of uh, Western films that you usually go for. You either go for the ones that more emphasize like kind of the myths of the West, like. Uh, Guys getting into gunfights all the time. Hundreds of bullets being shot at each other and, like, nobody takes any, like, damage except for, like, fatal damage. And big heroes in white hats chasing down desperados in black hats. That yeah. sort of... Uh, and then you have deal. maybe the more gritty sort of, I guess, leaning into it, the spaghetti westerns, which are more, like, not necessarily legends, but myths. They're, like, sort of, like, archetypal myths that they're putting onto this, which, again, we've talked about, but... I don't know. I feel like even this is maybe like the modern Western is actually maybe more different than both of those. Yeah. The modern Western is basically the most realistic version of the old West. I feel like uh, when you, when you watch them, because they usually go for like a, kind of like a pale rider where, uh, where yeah, like, it's kind of a spaghetti, but I mean a little bit, the basic idea is like almost like everything's, a bit more gritty, like, you've only got usually, like, uh, three people going after each other. Then, like... I, f I find, I don't know that I agree with that. I think that it is actually maybe more so that the modern Western, the problem, is that, yes, there is a more of a... Um, a focus on the realism. A focus on the realism, or at least the... It's it's more of a, instead of being a myth or something, it's more of a, almost a slice of life with mm -hmm. a gunfight than it is something else. Because, I mean, it still is taking the same storylines of, like, usually, like, bandits and the frontier and everything, but it's taking it more to, for a modern storytelling approach, which seems more realistic. So, like, movies like Unforgiven or the remake of 310 to Yuma or um, I'm trying to think of another modern West. I was going to say Bone Tomahawk, but Bone Tomahawk, talk, it, Bone Tomahawk 
is actually very different from those. It is much more a traditional Western, almost like slightly whimsical, that really transitions hard into horror. And somewhere in between, there's a little bit of spaghettiness to it. But it really is a different film. But I think where you see a lot of these sort of more modern Westerns is that it's more of a modern sensibility in that, yes, it's more probably real life as far as like the gunfights and the stuff. It's more of an action. It's, it, it's more of an action movie than a Western, I guess, is what it is. And they're taking sort of the templates that you see there um, to do it. Because that's what I felt like about 310 to Yuma. It really didn't feel like a Western. It just felt like this is an action film in the Old West, which is a, it's a, you don't think it might, you don't think it'd be, but it do. It's not necessarily, you don't think there'd be a difference, but there really is. Mm. And I think that if this movie leans into, this is an action film in the Old West, again, like Wild Wild West or Shanghai Nights. Indeed. Uh, uh, or Shanghai Noon or whatever that's called, or Shanghai, Shanghai Nights, Shanghai Noon. There's two of them. I think they're that might, I might, Shang, I might. Shanghai Noon is the one where they go to the West. Shanghai Nights is the one where they go to Britain. That's okay. I knew. Okay, thank you. Because I knew that there was one where they went one place and one where they went another place. But yes. Um, so anyway, if it's more like that, it's a it's an action film set in the West, right? If this movie does that, I'm probably still going to enjoy it, but it's not going to be a Western. It's not going to scratch that itch for me, yeah. and I think I'll probably enjoy it overall less. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, most people do call this a Western, so I doubt that's what it's going to be like, but I haven't seen it. I don't know. Yeah, well, and here's the thing, too. Here's here's kind of what makes me hopeful for this, that it's more like the old-style um, John Wayne-era Westerns, is that, of all people, Joel Schumacher is giving me hope, because he, after watching this, said, I want... Val Kilmer to be my Batman in my goofy ass Batman movie. So that means that there's got to be some comedy in this movie, right? There has to be some sort of at least comedic element added to the gravitas, which is, again, something that you normally see in a lot of those John Wayne movies. You see a little bit of like the vaudeville slapstick. You see a bunch of sort of like interpersonal, like back and forths where the, the characters are not like meshing. Like one of yeah. my favorite examples is Howard Hawks's Rio Bravo. Oh, yeah? Which is maybe arguably my favorite John Wayne film, because um, it's got Dean Martin and, um, like, a whole bunch of other people in it, like a lot of bit actors, um, and it's also got Dean Martin in it, I think. I'm pretty sure you're right. That's or, the no, one... no, 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 Ricky Nelson. Not It's it's Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, John Wayne, and, like, a bunch of other, like, notable actors of the day that were bit role character actors for Westerns. And that one has... A really good, it's got a good romance um, that's, you know, again, it's sort of a shoehorned John Wayne Western where it's like, oh, this woman has fallen for this man because mm -hmm. he's this tough guy, even though it's John Wayne and it's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of maybe mid, but I don't know, whatever, we'll go with it. But then it's got Dean Martin, he's got, and, and you've got Ricky Nelson, you've got this sort of interpersonal play back and forth between these characters, which is comedic, but at the same time, like, you know, Dean Martin's character is a worthless drunk at this point who... They're trying to basically rehabilitate, and he eventually does sort of, you know, come back into his own as like, oh, he's got the fastest hands in the West. He's the best. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really good redemption arc, but it's also got comedy. It's got a lot of good action. Uh, it's got everything you kind of want in that. And I feel like Tombstone, for it to hit, for it to be truly cemented as great in my mind, it has to hit all of those things that Rio 
uh, Rio Bravo did. I almost said Rio Lobo, which is a completely different movie. Indeed. Uh, Rio Lobo is another John Wayne movie, but it's more about yeah. like I... an ex-Civil War guy going on like John Wayne standard quest, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. They do stuff in Mexico. Yeah, they do. They do stuff in Mexico. But I think for me, if this is more like that, where there's a lot of like comedic elements, you know, again, guys, you know, the white hats versus the black hats, it's clear. Mm-hmm. It's clear cut. There's a little, there's a lot, there's a few good one-liners, some good interaction between the characters. And then just going forward, it's going to be obviously a standard plot because yeah. we, we know how it ends. Wyatt Earp and the good guys win. Yes. Now, who dies... I don't know. I, I I think if I remember my history correctly, I think there's a, you know, uh, and I don't know this for sure, but I feel like Doc Holliday does die at the OK Corral, if I remember right, so... I mean, that sounds about right, but, like, sometimes I'm very shaky on my Western uh, I don't history. know. I, but, like, we know there's going to be some cost, and there's going to be some whatever. So I think if that's the case, it's probably going to be closer to, like, the real Bravos of the world, and that's what I want from this movie. If it's not, and it's more like that sort of action film in the West, or like ultra gritty, I think it's going to be less good. I can see that. Which, I'm, I'm a fan of ultra gritty, because again, Kurt Russell, my boy, uh, who is, gr- that's that's another thing too, Kurt Russell and Bone Tomahawk, amazing. He's gonna he's in a Western in this, uh, yes, he's, he's perfect, I don't even care. Him as Wyatt Earp, awesome. But the biggest thing is that, like, I do like gritty realism in movies, but not necessarily always in my Western. Hmm. I mean, I feel like it's going to drop more on the gritty realism spectrum of things, but I suppose we can settle it, we can settle this the old-fashioned way. I say it's high time round about high noon, and we should give this film a watch, partner. Did you just say that we should give this film a watch? So what if I did? I think we need to take this into the movie theater. I'll see you there. We forgot to rate this. That was a really good. Uh, that was a really good Shit. transition. We're idiots. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, uh, on a scale of zero to five, Snake Pliskins. What are we gonna rate this? I'm gonna give this a four. I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go with a tentative three, because I'm hoping I'm comparing it to again to one of the best westerns ever made, Rio Bravo. Um. And in my mind, at least like that sort of John Wayne era um, Western. And I think it's going to fall short. I think it's still going to be okay. But I think they're going to go for that vibe and it's not going to stick the landing like you said. Mm -hmm. So I guess with that said, we'll see you on the other side. And you best join us in that movie theater or else we're going to have to form up a posse and hunt you all down. Yeah. Paint the town red. And the wagons. Oh, yes. I think you missed a spot. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you on the other side. See ya. What the hell are you doing this for, anyway? Wide up is my friend. Kill, I got lots of friends. I don't. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? Your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I make your head into a canoe. You understand me? You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. Turn them loose. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Kind of dead in here, isn't it? Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. How I really hate him. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? I'm your huckleberry. That's just my game. I want your soul. I want them both right now. I said throw down, boy.
We're all busy. Sorry, Mayor, but you're barking up the wrong tree. There's the real money. Build it up, milk it for all it's worth, and sell it off for a bundle and breeze out of this bird with more money than Croesus and ready to live like kings. Now, what do you think, Virgin? Play to God. Law dog. You don't step aside, we'll tear you apart. Well, you can't have a murder without a witness. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Well, bye. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am joined by Dan. How's it going, yo? I mean, it's going fine, though. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. Are you willing to play for blood? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. Am I? I guess we can talk about this since now we've seen the uh, uh, whatever movie we, we saw. I don't even remember now. Tombstone sure. or something. Yeah, something like that. Something no, like I'm that. pretty sure Just it a was... little a little film that barely anyone knows about Tombstone. No, I'm pretty sure it was called Grave Rock. Grave <laughs> Grave Rock. Was it Karen Boulder? <laughs> uh, something like that. Something like that. But uh what what did you think about this movie? I mean, I liked it. I've said before on this uh, podcast how I'd like to take notes. I don't think I've got any negatives on this thing. I actually have a lot, but despite my lots of negatives for this movie, I still really liked it. Fair so enough. I'm going to I'm going to preface all of the people out there who are going to say, "Oh my, you hated it. You're just going to stop. You're not going to stop complaining about it the whole time." No, I liked it. But I'll say this, it was one of the most infuriating great movies I've ever seen. Huh. And I think that you could make a few minor changes to it and it would be honestly a perfect film. That's fair. Uh, and I think the the thing that I like the most about this the sh- was just the absolute strength of the cast, dude. Yes, sir. Like, Kurt Russell was incredible as Wyatt Earp. Um, he was. You know, Sam Elliott was incredible as his brother. And then Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was made for westerns. Yes, sir. He even has that friggin' uh, mustache. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, the kind that you'd only see in, like, the Civil War, the the Wild West, that sort of thing. And I I also enjoyed Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday myself. Yeah, <laughs> he was the quintessential, like, you know, dandy sort of, like, oh, I'm a sort of a, a slick southerner, and I, I can sling guns. Yeah, but I'm also sweating my ass off 24-7. Yeah, because he's got the consumption. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, or they, what do they call him? They call him a lunger the whole time. Yeah, he's a lunger because he can't use one of his lungs. Yeah. The the biggest thing, again, was just the cast. It was phenomenal. All of the characters played their roles really well. I think that was the strength of it. Um, I mean, you even had like other like actors in there. I think uh, one of the bad guys was played by... Um, well, at the beginning, he was played by Michael Rooker, and then he became a good guy. And then it was like, oh, no, he died. Ah. And then he had like three lines in the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, um, he, he was played effectively, even if he did die after like his third line. Yeah. And then um, there was uh, the guy who played, uh, what was it? Uh, the, uh, Billy Zane was in this movie, too. I think he also played one of the bad guys. Yeah, that sounds like about one of the right. main main bad guys. I don't know if he was like Curly Joe or like whatever, but. So, again, this movie was really good. It had a lot of, like, good set pieces. The the 
like all of the the sets were great the style was great the look was great it felt like a western for the most part and i think where my problem lies is essentially with more so the story than anything is that and i i know westerns really aren't mostly about the story and i've said this before but this one felt a little bit too modern right it was edging on that line between like we said in the first half action film and actual western yeah. i think this one does fall in the camp of western but i think there's like maybe two or three main things that just really to me hurt, not hurt it but made it from being like the goat like the greatest of all time mm-hmm. to being like oh that's really good i'd watch it again um to and it was sort of like a lot of like annoying little things right where it was just like i'm frustrated in between these great scenes so kurt russell's girlfriend wife who you're never really sure what she is yeah for the longest time you're like you assume because it's a western well that's his wife and Mm -hmm. then it turns out like they're not even married and then she's also an opium fiend yeah like that whole character is unnecessary for the entire plot because like there's they're, they're supposed to be drumming up this whole sort of like conflict between like oh like Wyatt Earp is conflicted because you know he wants to be over here with this free spirit and he's 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 being weighed down by this woman over here that he's got a commitment to and it's supposed to be something about his character when in reality all it ever does is just confuse you because like literally there's a point in the movie where it's just like he's he's essentially trying to avoid her, and that's like a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. But like, like why though? Why it doesn't even make sense? Like at the end of the day, he just sort of like the the wife girlfriend character just sort of ends up being like a non thing. Like she's just gone. Yeah, leaves on a train with Virgil, and then like uh, ends up dying off screen in a, the epilogues. Yeah, in the in the credit epilogues. So like she's not even that really important because like she. Like, she's not really even that much of a, like, of a foil to any other sort of, like, emotional sort of predicament that Wyatt Earp really has, as far as I'm aware of. Like, and it didn't further any story, it just made things more convoluted. I mean, yeah, though, I feel like, in terms of the story, it kind of seems like her big uh, moment, quote-unquote, would probably be after Morgan dies, and, uh, like, he tells the harlot, you know, stay away from me tries to get comfort from his wife and then she fucks off too that's that's the big scene that, that's the uh, big scene that up. was like a non-scene well and here's the thing let me let me here's the second thing i didn't like right okay about it was that it that scene right where that's the big moment after the after morgan dies or whatever his name morgan morgan i think it's morgan yeah right? it's morgan bill paxton's character he dies right yes and virgil's there and everyone's like Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And, you know, he's there trying to help him with the doctor, whatever. Literally everyone... Am I crazy? Was Everyone was mad at Wyatt Earp, right? For it, letting all of this happen, right? I mean, it seemed like it. Although it feels more like they should be blaming fucking Virgil. Virgil, right? Because he the was the time. sheriff. And he was the one who said, you know, let's round up all the guns. You can't, it, like, or rather... It's like, you know, we're not saying you can't own firearms. You just can't carry them in town. And that's what started basically this whole shebang. Let me, let me, let me run through a couple scenarios here, or at least just this one scenario of what happened, right? So the, the, this, this scene, right, that you're referencing where it's like the, the sort of like ultimate tugging of love, heartstrings 
that really just falls super flat when it comes to that. Really, like, and you know, he's he 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 pushes away the harlot, the the actress, the lady, and then his wife refuses him because like he's refused this other lady. Like I've she's high on opium we can't trust anything she says right <laughs> yeah. but everyone seems to be mad at wyatt earp right like <laughs> every like all, the whole time like virgil's like no get away from me even virgil is mad at wyatt earp he's like no i don't want to talk to you anymore Wyatt, like get away from me like again his arm is shot off by a shotgun so whatever yeah. And then, like, you know, These the wife of, of, of um, Morgan is, is, is completely upset. Everyone seems to be upset with Wyatt. Let's, let's just backtrack here. Why, right? And I don't, I don't think you can actually tie it to anything Wyatt Earp did. Because at the beginning of the movie, the whole thing is Wyatt Earp is a peace officer who has made a name for himself. He's a big, bad motherfucker. If he had a wallet, it would have bad motherfucker stamped on it, right? Yeah. He establishes this by walking into a saloon and just being like, Look at me. I am the owner of this card table now. Like that that's what he does. He literally just does that. Yeah, basically. And then and then he's just like, "Hey guys, I got uh, I got us an inn in the town." Yeah. So like and his whole shtick is if anyone comes up to talk to him about being a lawman, he just says, "No. Screw off. Back down the road." Like, I'm just here for uh, I'm just here for the cards, man. Get get the fuck out. He wants to be in the heart of the cards, man. That's yes. what he wants. He wants the heart of the cards. He doesn't yeah. want any of this law m- nonsense, this mumbo-jumbo. He wants to settle down. Just wants to make some money, settle down, start a family of his own. Reasonable request, I'd say. Yeah. And then you have this, like, this sort of, like, you have a little bit of conflict, not a lot, with the bad guy, who is shown at the beginning of the film being really bad hombres. Like, they're real bad. Yeah. Right? And Curly Joe is a good bad guy. He has very big reminiscence of like a Lee Van Cleef type character. He's really good. I like him. He's a yeah. good big bad. Yeah, kind of reminds me of uh, like the like the guy from Big Jake. I forget exactly what his name oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, God, I can't remember who plays him now, too. Uh, it's like one of those big character actors who but yeah, like he's guys. Yeah, he's a big bad, uh, bad guy, but he's also kind of suave and has his own kind of charisma mojo going on. Yeah. And then what happens is, is there's a little bit of conflict here and there, but like everyone's living peacefully, right? Yeah. Coinciding with each other. Yeah. No one's really doing anything. And right then, up until Curly Joe gets himself drunk and shoots... Uh, on opium. I, High on opium, yeah, not drunk. Maybe both. Yeah, maybe a bit both. You're right. It was the it was the opium den. He came out of the opium den, yes. But yeah, like while he was high on uh, life and presumably drugs, he shot the marshal and a bit of fooling. Yeah. Okay. And then great. And then so there's this whole big standoff. Everyone's got it's tension. That's great. It's like oh, okay, what's gonna happen? Yeah. And, and then, then Virgil puts up the sign that says, "Hey, we're banning you from having guns in the town." Which I mean, that's which, which Curly. Well, here's the other important thing. Curly Joe gets off. Because yeah. there was no wit, there were no actual first-hand witnesses. Yeah. So if there's no witness, there's no murder, right? Yeah. So that's because that's all how of these it works. other people, like like Virgil's pissed off. Morgan's kind of whatever, and yeah, because and, like Virgil, at the very least, he's like, no, I know for a fact that Curly Joe shot that guy. He's like, I am justice. I'm Batman. <laughs> that's Man. what Virgil's like. Wyatt is just like he's sort of annoyed. But he doesn't care. He's going to move on. And everyone seems to be having a fine time of it. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's upset. No one's shooting each other over this. Yeah, there might be a little bit of bad blood, but everyone realizes, like, the bad guys realize this is Wyatt Earp. 
We don't want to mess with him. Wyatt Earp realizes these bad guys kind of run the town. There's a lot of them. We really don't want to mess with them. And yeah. then Virgil has to go and get himself in the shit, right? I don't know if it's Virgil who does this or if it's the mayor of the town who puts up a no guns order I'm in the pretty town. Sure it, like, it was implied that it was Virgil doing that because, like, uh, all right, let's see. It, it wasn't I don't the mayor. The flyer. It, well, because there's the mayor and then there's the sheriff. Yeah, the sheriff's the one who uh, sides with the cowboys and did, does all that. So I'm I'm thinking it was probably the mayor and he hired Virgil to, like, kind of set this up because he's an erp. If Wyatt's such a big-ass badass, then his brother certainly has to have some of that, right? Yeah, right. It makes sense. And then Virgil just goes in hard, like, No, yeah. you guys can't have guns in this town. It's yeah. the law. Yeah. And, <sighs> and Morgan just kind of piggybacks onto this because he's like, Oh, shit, this is my chance to be a, to be a big, badass gunman, like my big brother Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's really, like, he's the one I feel so sad about, because he's like, well, I'm just sticking with family. So all of a sudden, it turns into a Fast and Furious movie, which <laughs> is about family, Wyatt. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, I kind of get the reason why Virgil's pissed at Wyatt, more, or more because, like, Virgil seems to have a hard-on for the law, right? But like, He's a bleeding heart with a hard-on for the law. Yes. Like, he doesn't want these... And, and like, Wyatt sees, like, the stuff that's going on. And, like, yeah. he's and not Wyatt's a bad guy, like, but he's just Come on, let's just leave this alone. It'll it, it'll probably get better if we just kind of leave it alone. And Virgil's just like, no, we can't leave it alone. This, they're, it, they're disrespecting my thought Yes. Uh, and he you're my brother, Cartman. so you gotta help. Yeah. And then, essentially, like... Be and then when Virgil gets into the thick of it, why it's like I have to help now. I can't because you are my brother. Yeah. Even though he realizes so, and, and here's the reason. And then everyone, everything happens. There's a shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah. Like and which, they all get like. I mean, hurt. if I remember correctly, though, there is one misstep that Wyatt made in that, and that's that he gave Doc the street sweeper. <laughs> yeah, I feel a lot easier with Doc on the street sweeper, and I mean it did pay out. They all survived. But still, like, I was feel it like... Doc that ga- I thought Virgil might have given it to him. Was that? Or was I'm pretty it, was sure it was Wyatt, Wyatt who was gave it? it to him. But, like, either way, like, that would be his only misstep in this. Because, like, Doc's just the kind of guy to go, like, Oh, hey, I got this. Who yeah. wants to try me? I don't know. And it's not even really his fault at all. Because they just literally, like, it's it, literally the entire impetus of everyone being mad at Wyatt Earp is all Virgil's fault. <laughs> Even Virgil being mad at Wyatt is Virgil's fault. And the reason why I don't like this, and the reason why it gets into more of, like, the sort of action movie things, like, you can kind of forgive, like, the the sort of, like, protagonist, like, the sort of, like, the misdirection of things, like a big bad guy trying to misdirect the, the hate onto a character, right? If you had something like that. But no, the bad guys are pretty well passive in this movie most of the whole time because Virgil basically takes it to them. Yeah. Like, okay, yes, the cowboys are bad demonstrably, and they do kind of like, you know, they don't really have a complete disregard for everyone else. They've probably hurt a few other people, but not in such a way to as essentially bring down all of the fury of Virgil and his brothers, right? It's just one of those things where it's like, like Virgil really just has this hard on for the law, and it really propels the rest of the movie, and then everyone gets mad at Wyatt, and it's supposed to be this big emotional confrontation, and it really just falls flat for me because... In a lot of other westerns, Wyatt Earp 
essentially Virgil would be the protagonist in this movie, right? Why it would be the sort of un, you know, the unwilling, reluctant sort of sidekick yeah. in like sort of a traditional Western because Wyatt is one of those characters who realizes the, the sort of like situation that they're in, no matter where they are going to go, there's going to be a gang who runs something in the wild west here. Right. And that's the whole premise and setup of this movie, even though they say like, Oh, the wild west was more dangerous than like, you know, more modern day Chicago or something. No, that's actually not true. Like there's actually a lot of evidence that like there weren't more percentages of murders per capita. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the statistics were wrong at the beginning of the movie. They paint it to be this dangerous, godforsaken wasteland that people are trying to inhabit because manifest destiny. But Wyatt, who is literally just like, yes, I understand this. And I know that we're not going to solve everyone's problems. So we're just going to have to move on because we're getting away from solving everyone's problems in Kansas. Exactly. Right? He's like, I'm retired. I don't need to deal with this shit. And Virgil reels him back in. And he's just getting too old for this shit, man. Yeah. And that's why I think it doesn't really fit 100% into the sort of Western tropes is that they really bring a lot more like modern sort of ideas into this. In addition, the the back and forth between like the emotional aspect of like the female characters there in Wyatt's life, (laughs) they could have done it without having the girlfriend, right? You fix you you fix a lot of this movie by taking her out of it, and one that saves a lot of screen time, right? Not a lot, but at least a significant enough amount. You leave the actress in, but Wyatt Earp realizes that no, I'm I'm trying to start a new life, but I don't know that I can start a new life because you know I've got this angst and ennui about I'm a gunslinger and this is what I do and I don't know how I'm going to make a living and support a family and that's why I'm a bachelor to this date. Whereas Virgil and Morgan. They've got their women, right? They're, they know how to yeah. deal with this because they're not in the extreme situation that he's in. And so over time, you have this understanding that, you know, oh, maybe I can learn to love, huh? And and you just have this sort of standard thing. And you can still have that emotional impact of like, you know, he gets real close to this woman and then she comes to comfort him in that big scene where his brothers are almost are on their deathbeds. And he's like, get the hell away from me. And she leaves. It, it makes more impact if the wife isn't there. But more historical accuracy. Yeah, I know. I know. Look, look. <laughs> it, because look, John Wayne does it all the time. He oh, is, yeah. John Wayne is a, in his, like, in most movies, he's, like, in his, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, hell, even 50s or 60s. And he is still the most eligible bachelor in the entire movie, and everyone knows it. It's like, why is he a bachelor up until this point of his life? I don't know. But he's going to get the girl because he's John fucking Wayne. He's the star. <laughs> yeah. You, and that's how a lot of these westerns work. You could have had just a more standard western trope of the, of the woman and the sort of like the guy, like the hard, the hard sort of western lawman falling for this woman and sort of like there's a little bit of tug there without having that whole plot of an opium fiend wife. It's just it's just bad. Again. The thing that pulls all of this through are the characters and the actors and the characters that they're playing are so well done and portrayed on screen that it doesn't really matter. But it is infuriating to just be, it's so confusing and infuriating infuriating to sit through this where you're just like, this is such a great movie and it would be perfect if it wasn't for these dumb things that they keep trying to do and shove into this character. Like, they're, they're, they're putting the wrong impetuses on the wrong characters, right? Yeah. I, I think I get what you're saying. Right? I don't know. I have one one last big thing, right, that I really just, maybe two, but really one thing. 
Um, and also, let me, let me, I guess, tie onto that last thing, the sort of romance, where this movie ends is literally just him going to Colorado and dancing in the snow with this woman. And he's like, oh, we'll get room service. Ha 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 ha. It's a very John Wayne thing. It's kind of cheesy. But that, yeah. as much as I kind of felt that that was out of character for the rest of the movie, it felt much more like that John Wayne Western ending of mm-hmm. like, well, Pilgrim, I'm going to carry you off and we're going to do something silly or something. I don't know. Like the, the sort of John Wayne, Marino Hera sort of. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Endings, which I, it, it didn't fit for this movie, but it fit for like the whole like throwback Western in general. So that that's the thing. Do you have anything you want to go into before I launch into my final tirade about, again, reminder, it's a good movie. It's just, these things bugged me. I mean, I'm just kind of curious where you're going to go with it. Because, like, I mean, like I said before, I didn't mark any of these things down. Though, hearing you argue about it, it does make sense. I guess I just kind of want to hear the rest of what you have to say. And then I'll uh, shoot my shot. Alright. Well, the last thing. Some of the great moments in this movie happen sort of in that, like, you know, there's a lot of great moments sprinkled throughout. But the moment where, you know... After after Morgan's dead, they're going they're going to get on the train, and he's like, you know, gonna leave, and the and Curly Joe's like, well, bye. They they leave. They're gonna get on the train, and Curly Joe's like, no, kill him. Mm-hmm. Like you you know you you know as the film goer, like they're not gonna get killed. It's not gonna be an ambush. It's a reverse ambush, and lo and behold, it is. And then it starts that scene where it's like, you know, you tell him that you know you know that I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, and it's just this great chilling scene and launches into this montage of them just basically riding around on horses shooting people like just just shooting random people you don't even really see them there's no gunfights it's just a montage it's a it's a murder montage it's a murder montage yeah and then it stops all of a sudden abruptly into what you think is part of the montage and it's a shootout with curly joe at a river and then as cool as the scene is where kurt russell uh, Kurt Russell's Wyatt Earp goes into the river and just shoots Curly Joe in the river in the yeah. middle of the hail of bullets. Or the no scene for all of you who know. Yes. They kill the big bad guy. Like, with like 30, 40 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> that, yeah, they The guy do. that they've been setting up as the big bad the whole time. Like, you just... Who does that? Uh, this movie, apparently. Yeah, you kill the underling. You kill the other guy. You kill the other underlings. Right? And then after that, like, you go into a few scenes where it's like, oh, um, Val Kilmer's on his deathbed, and they, they're at Charlton Heston's house, and, like, yeah. whatever. And then it starts, like, and then you basically go do the shootout, where it's like, okay, this is the cool moment, where it's like, Wyatt Earp's gonna, oh, nope, just kidding, it's Doc Holliday, where he has a shootout with, uh, what's his name, Johnny... Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. And it's a really good scene. Yeah. Plus, it's been set up basically since the beginning of the movie, back when, like, they had the little casino uh, scene. Which is, honestly, I think that might be one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, is the Johnny Ringo and, uh, Doc Holliday. and Doc Holliday sort of, like, gun sort of flashy scene, where it's like, oh, you, it's gonna, it's escalating, it's escalating, how are they gonna get out of this one without getting into a gunfight this early in the movie? Is it gonna kick everything off? You don't know. Yeah, and then he just pulls out a little tin cup and starts uh, twirling, twirling it, it around. And everyone and, loves it. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, hey, this guy's in on the joke. Yeah. And then, and then what happens is he kills Johnny Ringo in a great way, right? Oh yeah, just like literally quick draws when nobody's expecting it, shoots him in the head, and the guy just, and Ringo's just like, he's struggling to pull out his piece because now he's got a fucking bullet in his head. Yeah. 
And and you know, and it's it's a great scene. It's amazing. And now both both bad guys who were set up as prota- as antagonist one and two are dead, with still like fifteen to twenty minutes of movie left. Yeah. And then it goes into another montage where they chase down the other underling who is essentially kind of just like a cowardly like yeah like no what? name sort of well he wasn't a no name but he was like the sort of the cowardly definite not big bad guy yeah and they chase him down and once he's oh once and he the sheriff his, the sheriff too they chase him down yeah and the sheriff but like really that's not it doesn't really matter at that <laughs> point like you've already killed curly joe and johnny ringo like it doesn't the rest of the movie doesn't matter and then like they they try to like end on this really cool like montage and it just feels so flat like it does there's no big gunfight like you know like in um um i think i mentioned it the the first half like rio bravo yeah where it's like you know they they're literally chucking dynamite and blowing <laughs> up buildings right or even chisholm for that matter yeah chisholm any any classic sort of like you know gunfight like this was closer maybe in theme to the duel in um or the ending of uh what was it what was the movie um we did it on this podcast the, the spaghetti western once upon a time in the west yeah where it's like if you would have maybe ended a little sooner off of that montage and it was like the end was like you know you set up johnny ringo to be more of a bad guy than he actually was because in that movie right in once upon a time in the west the actual big bad guy was the railroad and the railroad baron yeah he was the overarching bad guy but frank who is played by um uh what's his face um mr goody two-shoes henry fonda mm-hmm. he is a despicable piece of garbage if you would have set it up more that way where it's like okay the real big bad guy is this and that's the big overarching thing that we're contending with is the cowboys but really the seed of this movie of, of like where the the evilness of the cowboys comes from is Johnny Ringo. And if you would have set that up throughout the movie a little bit better and you would have had maybe less montage afterwards and more of a big gunfight like a little bit before, you, you, you change a few things, right? Or you make Curly Joe be the big bad guy and Johnny Ringo and, and, or hell, and Doc Holliday about... have, have their fight a little earlier in the film, right? Yeah. Maybe have a little scene where you see, like, even if it wouldn't necessarily be historically accurate, like Johnny Ringo being the one who killed Morgan. Yeah, yeah. You literally you literally have something else there, right? To build, because that it really just ends, and then there's a, this, and then it just, it just, after the montage, it just stops, and you go to the sanatorium in Colorado where Doc Holliday is on his deathbed, and it's a good emotional scene between the two, but it's like, it really just doesn't, like it just takes away a lot of the momentum the movie had going and i think it ends a little bit sort of stale for me the -hmm. rest of the honestly the more the longer that i watch this movie right the worse it's slightly the slightly worse it gets i think because the movie started off so strongly like the beginning of the movie is definitely it has the feeling of like the beginning of once upon a time in mexico like where you've got like the shootout and like they kill the I mean, in fairness, I actually kind of got a, got the feeling of uh, Big Jake myself, if only because, like, it starts with the uh, montage of, like, this is how the world is. And here's these big bad desperados on their way to commit a, uh, to commit a crime. Yeah, and I don't think it necessarily has to be either or. I think you're right. Big Jake actually has the same, almost very, it's a very similar opening. And this yeah. probably really, like, drew a lot from that. And I And honestly, I think Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which I think came out after this probably had a lot of influence from tombstone and from big jake because it's very similar and like it's like you know hey it's a 
basically like there's a massacre at a wedding like that's the beginning i love the setup of this movie it was the bad guys were shown to be really bad there were a few among them who didn't like them that that's great you have that in like a lot of these other westerns the, this sort of trope of like oh man these are bad hombres and there's some other bad guys running with them but maybe they're not so bad maybe they turn tail maybe they turn coat you know like michael rooker's character yeah which I, I wish he had a little bit more screen time to make his death maybe a little bit more impactful. Yeah, though, like, the, I, I did like the scene where he just rode up to Wyatt Earp and said, hey, we didn't have anything to do with this. This was a bad call. We're, we're not riding with the Cowboys anymore. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. If they cut out Wyatt Earp's wife, that would have been more screen time for Michael Rooker to do cool things, which I yeah, am true. all about. Or for Johnny Ringo to be a little bit badder and a little bit more evil. Because it's it's actually mentioned, too, like, at the beginning, of, like, towards the beginning of the movie, that, like, yeah, he's, like, made a deal with the devil. Yeah. Like, legitimately, that's that's what he has done. You know? <laughs> like, he, he, in no uncertain terms, has made a deal with the devil. Yes, sir. And, and that, like, it, it just, like... Every individual piece of this movie was cool, but I think the order that it was done in and the little bits that it could have been changed, there's a lot of, like, micro-changes that I would make to this movie. One, cut out the wife or the girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, two, you know, don't make everyone be butthurt at Wyatt Earp. Maybe make a little bit of misdirection there of some kind. Maybe make everyone think it's Wyatt's fault. I don't know. Maybe some of the townsfolk don't like him. I don't know. But, like... Not Virgil and the the sister in laws, right? Like they know that it's not that's not his fault. They know that yeah. it's Virgil's. It's Virgil's a dumb shit who got them all into this mess. If it wasn't for Virgil, like they could have just moved on through, right? Again, we wouldn't have had a movie, but whatever. Virgil is the catalyst of this whole thing. And then finally, change around the order of your the denouement of the film. Like it's you don't have like a big crescendo moment. There are all these great things that happen. And it just happens in such an order that it makes the ending feel flat. That's that's what I'll say. Otherwise, again, the uh, the shootout at the river with Curly uh, with Curly Joe, phenomenal, great yeah. scene. The shootout uh, between you know Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday, iconic, right? Yeah, it, it's it's all really 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 good. The shootout at the OK Corral, really cool and fun. All of it. The action in this movie hands down some of the best western action i've seen execution of story and and form of movie something to be desired here right. right and i think that it was it was a western for the most part but it had a lot of modern sensibilities that i think this movie was made maybe a few years like about 10 years too late or 10 year or like eh, 10 to 20 years too too late or 10 to 20 years too early Right, I think you would. It would have been maybe a little bit better served by being a little bit more campy, sort of yeah. like even like '70s style, sort of western. Um, and I don't say that often about a lot of movies, right? That they need to be more like '60s, '70s era. But westerns, yeah. that's their sort of peak. That was where the West was won. It, it was, or they needed to be a little bit more modern and have maybe some more like maybe more gritty realism. I, I don't know. I, I liked, a, but I, I loved, again, it's just the characters in this. This is That's why you watch this movie. It's for the actors making just powerhouse performances. You're, you're not really watching it for the plot, um, which is why I ended up still liking this in the, you know, in the end, like a lot. It's a great movie. It's just, it's an entertain. okay, it's not a great movie. It's an entertaining film. It's an entertaining movie. Is it a great film? Mm, it kind of falls short the further you get into it. Hmm. 
but it's a very extremely entertaining movie. Fair enough. I mean... So what I, about you? I've, I've rambled for like hours, it feels like. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, I will say that I think this movie hits me differently because while you're more of a film buff as a, uh, as a lover of westerns myself, I actually find myself really liking the, uh, the uh, historical accuracy bits of it myself. Because like, while you are right, as a story, it kind of falls flat. It uh, the, it feels entertaining enough for me that, like, I'm entertained by all the stuff that I recognize from, like, ah, yeah, here's these Western tropes. And then there's also, ooh, here's some historical accuracy. Like, the shootout at the OK Corral, for instance. Like, everything I've looked up on that basically matches up with what happens in the film. Like, instead of happening in the actual corral itself, it happened, like, basically right next to it in front of, like, the mirror shop. Or whatever, or, or whatever the heck it was called, like the the picture thing. Yeah. Well, and you know what, I, I I applaud a movie when it actually does do like when it gets some a lot of historical accuracies correct. It's just my my contention with with movies usually is is that I I do like it when they are accurate or when they at least portray the accuracy of sort of like a character. Um, but I think that that sometimes can hurt a film. In that real life can be boring. Yes. Right? Like, you're not going out into the street and, like, just seeing a guy screaming, There was a firefight! Or things like that. It's just, you go out there, you go to work, you come back home, you, you sleep. That's that's your day. Yeah. And for the most part, it's the same way. And, and, and again, this is probably the way it was just in general, too. The other thing that I kind of, like, I didn't really mention... But, like, there's a point where even after the shootout, I think, right, they're just playing cards with, like, the underlings, right? Or is that before? But even even regardless of when it happens in the film, like, there's just this point where, like, you know, after they've banned all the guns and whatnot, no, it's, it's before. But, like, they banned all the guns and these guys are getting, like, real feisty with each other. Like, they're still just sitting down playing cards and gambling with each other. Yes. Like, and that's not something that you really see in a lot of Westerns, especially like, you know, where you've got the black hat and the white hat, mm -hmm. which is what this was more like. This was more like a black hat, white hat movie than a sort of gritty, like, you know, you know, you know, I'm no hero, sort of like spaghetti Western sort of thing where it's like, you know, oh, you're not sure who the good guy is. Like, is it this harmonica guy? Is it like this other guy? No, this guy's bad. He's, he's one of these guys, you know? Um, like we know Frank's bad in Once Upon a Time in the West, but who like are the, is everyone bad? Maybe, probably. Yeah. But like you don't have that sort of ambiguity in this film. There there are good guys and there are bad guys, but they don't in the older films they don't fraternize. Yeah. Like once things start hitting the fan, they can have scenes where they have like where they talk to each other, but they don't really like play cards, right? They have, like, a tense sort of moment where they walk into the saloon, but, like, no one shoots because they know that if one... If, of, if one guy shoots, if one guy everybody shoots, starts shooting, shoot. and then nobody knows what's going to And then no happen. one's going to win. Like, they don't want to go off in that situation, right? Yeah. But I guess when it comes to, like, real life, like, you know, hey, I, I may... There may be some coworkers that I have that I hate. Like, but am I still going to, like, talk to them courteously on a day-to-day? -day? Yeah, that's what you do in real life, which is boring. Yes. In a movie, I want to see people, like, 
you know, taking things to the extreme. And that's where the entertainment sort of for me lies in a lot of films, especially like the Westerns, like the old style Westerns. It's like, it's a black and white sort of, you know, not necessarily always because it sometimes wasn't Technicolor, but it is a, it's a follows a format, right? And you put these characters in this situation, they go forward and they do things, right? And that's what they did in this movie. But I think that it wasn't necessarily maybe fantastical enough in certain scenes where they're like, yeah, it's maybe too true to life. Yeah. So what do you think they should have like, uh, like uh, kind of did what they did with Chisholm and just like, you know, take these real life events that basically happened and then like uh, spite Hollywoodify them up to like make a big spectacle of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. No Chisholm was a great movie. And I've that read about is. the OK Corral, or not the OK Corral, but the Lincoln County War, and, like, yeah, there's, like, some really cool, interesting stuff that happens in it, but, like, is it enough for, like, a, a cool spectacle movie? Probably not. Like, I mean, maybe. That one maybe more so because it was an actual just war that was yeah. actually being waged by two factions of, like, hundreds of people on either side. Like, that one maybe maybe is a bad thing, is a bad example, but, like, yeah, like... It's like in in the other the other western that I cited before, the man who shot Liberty Valance. When the legend becomes the truth, print the legend. Yes. And I know in this case, like you know, Wyatt Earp kind of like spread the legend himself because he was big buddies with a lot of Hollywood types, you know, before he died. But realistically, this was one of the very few films where I'm just like, oh yeah, no, some like Hollywood like pizzazz and spectacle like to sort of shake up the truth of it would probably have been gone a long way to to making this from a really good entertaining film to absolute perfect yeah and that's that's my only contention with this film is that a lot of it was maybe a little bit too real and it it muddled things right because again the time that even though it, yeah, it really happened that Wyatt Earp's girlfriend kind of thing, maybe almost what common law wife, I guess. We'll just say wife, right? Yeah, because that you know, that's basically what it is. Yeah. Wyatt Earp's wife was an opium fiend, and that's how it was, as far as I'm aware, right in history. Yeah, overdosed on opium and everything. Yeah, all of that, and he left her for this other woman who he was with until the day he died. But like, we don't as a as a sort of like unless you're going to play that up really well, right? Mm-hmm. Don't put it in the movie because it's going to just confuse people and not make your point. In this case, the point would have been made just as well, if not better, about Wyatt Earp's character as a human being with without that character in the movie. Right? Yeah. I think so. You could have done it with any number of throwaway scenes or throwaway lines that you could have had the real estate for would you have kicked her character out of the movie. And you swap a few things around, you make Curly Joe a bigger, badder guy and have a bigger, badder shootout at the end instead of a mo- instead of montages. You have one big montage. Yeah. And then, like, at the end, you have a bigger fight scene, right? Or you have all that, that big fight scene and a montage culminating in the shootout with Johnny Ringo, who was the real bad guy the whole time because he's yeah. actually evil. Yeah. Not just a bad guy. He's actually evil. Mm-hmm. Right? The, that's that's what I would have changed. Like, otherwise, again, great performances. Powerhouse yeah. performances. It, 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 again, it just solidifies the fact that Kurt Russell, I have never seen a movie where Kurt Russell at least was not good in that movie. No, like, he, even he, he even was... Escape from Los Angeles, which is an atrocious but funny film, Kurt Russell's still great in that. He carries it hard. Fair. 
Anyway, I've never seen a Kurt Russell film that I at least didn't like. You know, he didn't, he wasn't good in, you know? And he plays a hell of a cowboy. Um, because again, like, you know, Kurt Russell in this, and then, God, Kurt Russell in Bone Tomahawk. Oh, I'm just imagining this uh, the, this uh, stream that you have put together. Like, take the wife out, obviously. You edit the wife out of the movie entirely. Forget forget that she even exists. Maybe have some scenes with Johnny Ringo being evil. You have one big montage. Maybe have Michael Rooker's character die at the end of that. Have a few uh, extra scenes with him actually doing some cool shit. Maybe saving then, Wyatt Earp's life. Yeah, and then like. Even show the one where, like, uh, the henchman guy finally, like, gives up, throws his uh, cowboy belt to the road. Then you have a scene with, like, Curly Joe and Johnny Ringo, like, discussing, like, you know, we're ba- uh, we're basically cornered rats at this point. We're, go- uh, we're gonna have to face these guys head on. And then you have, like, the scenes with, uh, say, Doc Holliday just kind of, like, having his dying moments. Then Wyatt Earp hands him the badge, goes out to have his uh, final shootout with Curly Joe, and then while that's happening, you have the shootout between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo. Yeah, you do some, you do some, you know, cool little editing back and forth. You have a nice good denouement of like two gunfights, and then you you can have everything else happen the way it happened yeah. at the end. It really, again, I think that's where it was. The longer you watch this movie, the more you appreciated the acting. But the more you also realize that, man, this really just wasn't all that well put together from a from the standpoint of like maybe a more traditional sort of action film, which is kind of what I was hoping for. I, I didn't again, I didn't dislike it. The montages were cool. It's just they didn't it feels like it fell sh- short of where you wanted it to be, you know? Yeah, fair. Though I will say the the movie did have at least a kind of decent way of tying things back between at the very least the beginning and the uh, middle end sort of uh, thing. Like, for instance, Johnny Ringo, like, starts talking about how, you know, the Spanish priest was going like, oh yeah, he was quoting, like, Behold the Pale Horse, and his rider was deaf, and hell came with him. And then you go from that to, like, Wyatt Earp saying, and hell's tell, coming tell, him, uh, tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with well, me. Well, and, and, uh, you know... He, and of he course, did be beheld. He beheld the pale horse, which was Doc Holliday, who was the sickly sort of like pale horse. Yeah, and also Doc Holliday. Like I said before, Doc Holliday's uh, fight with Johnny Ringo was set up several times. Like from their first meeting, where they both have like uh, the little twirling contest, to their second meeting, where it's just like you know, who's willing to play for blood? I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, again, great moments. Just absolutely phenomenal moments. It's just, I... Some of it could have been, again, it's just, I think they could have put things in a slightly different order. Again, I I, I hate to sort of harp on it, but I I really liked the movie. It was entertaining to watch. It was really fun. It's just, from a... It really just irked me how much this was, like how much these sort of like scenes just sort of like, no, this doesn't make sense. This is confusing. But in between, it was punctuated by great moments. So at the end of the day, I came out positive, you know, net positive on this. Um, So unless you have anything else to say, actually, um, I would probably want to rate this, but do you have anything that you'd want to double feature with this movie? I mean, given that we've talked about it so much, Big Jake, I think. Because like, like, similar kind of movie, but... At least in the beginning and with some of the characters and stuff. But it's kind of to highlight the differences, I think. 
Either that or Chisholm. All right, so I'm going to give you two here, right? I'm going to yeah. give you two. So one is sort of like, you know, more of a parallel, and one is a continuation of a story sort of thing. Yeah. So to do the sort of the thing, like you said, you had already mentioned a movie. I had already mentioned a movie. Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Like, okay. It's basically a Western and it's got like big gut like the ending is is like such a nice satisfying gunfight that you get like that satisfying gunfight at the end you get maybe like a little bit more of a gritty but also pulpy sort of fun movie it's it's kind of the same almost the same movie really just in a different like in a slightly different way just like you said with sort of big jake right yeah the other movie that i would pair with it is uh not a robert rodriguez film but someone who's very close to that a quentin tarantino film oh boy you know at the beginning where basically you know there's they're at a wedding mm-hmm. and then they shoot the guy and they take the wife off and you know they they do their business with her it's the bride dude ah. you just say that no she's going to kill curly <laughs> joe <laughs> <clears throat> oh no she's gonna kill bill so you have like that parallel of like oh this is kind of like a weird like thing it's like You can imagine, like, the bride from Quentin Tarantino's uh, Kill Bill is, like, literally just, like, reliving past lives where she keeps getting her marriage interrupted, but she has to kill Bill because he's the one that basically has been, like, in the past lives all of this bad guy for her who has basically been the representation of it. So, like, she's basically, you can think of it as, like, I'm just coming to terms with my past lives. Isn't that guy's name Curly Bill, actually? His name's Curly Bill Brocious. Oh, maybe it is Curly Bill. So it actually, you know, I thought it was Curly Joe. Maybe it's Curly Joe. Maybe it's Cur- Curly Bill. Because, like, I'm pretty sure. Johnny, I thought it was Johnny Ringo and Curly Joe. Maybe it's Curly Bill. Yeah. Cause... Maybe I was calling him Curly Joe wrongly the whole time. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna check. Hold on here. <laughs> stall, stall for time. Stall for time. Did you know that the soundtrack for this film was made by Bruce Broughton? Or Brofton? I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name here. Broughton? Broughton? Probably. But yeah, he did the soundtrack for, like, uh, Homeward Bound, Rescuers Down Under, Young Sherlock, A Miracle on 34th Street, and a movie that has been featured on this podcast before, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, oh no, it was it was Curly Bill, uh, Curly Bill Brocious. Ah. Power, mm-hmm. star, uh, played by Powers Booth. Michael Bain was uh, Johnny Ringo, by the way. I'm trying to double check here to see. Um, so Ike... The, the guy who was, like, the guy who dropped his thing at the very end, uh, that was that was Stephen Lang. Oh! The old guy from Don't Breathe. Hmm. Let's see. Who who else was... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Josephine was played by Dana Delaney. Also, the other... The other... I'll say this. The female characters in this movie were mostly kind of milk toast and weren't interesting, except for Doc Holliday's woman. Yes. She was so interesting and then at a certain point she's just completely gone out of the movie. She it's like she disa- like disapparated. Yeah. <laughs> into into mist. Like the most interesting like sort of like complex female character in the whole movie other than just being like I'm an opium fiend. I'm an actress and I'm going to I'm a I'm a home wrecking actress. Yeah, that's that's fair. The uh, nobody knows where she went. The disappeared into the aether as though she were the devil herself which i suppose would be another parallel between ringo and doc holiday in a way yeah i guess and that was uh joanna pacola uh who played kate did you know holy shit did you know i'm looking at the cast list here do you know billy bob thornton is in this movie no i did not he plays johnny tyler 
who the fuck's Jeremy Tyler? I don't know. I think that it was, he was one of the, uh, um. Was he one of the guys who got shot at the OK Corral? I think he was one of the guys that got shot at the OK Corral, yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Anyway, so I, I guess I guess with, with that said, do you want to rate this on a scale of 0 to 5 Snake Pliskins? Well, son, I suppose if I had to give this thing a rating, I'd say I'd give it a... Uh, I'm going to stick with my original rating, 4.0. I guess I'd also have to rate this. I think that I'm going to give this... Oh, this is a tough one. I would almost say it's a 4, but I kind of want to say it's a 3.5. I think I'm going to split the difference and give it a 3.75. You fractional son of a bitch, I'll kill you! Uh, I'll be your huckleberry. All right. I want to get I want to give it more. It's just it those things irk me so much in this movie where it's like it could have again, I I want I want desperately to give this like a 5, but those things are just bothering me enough that I'm like, "No, I I will watch this again." And I think honestly, I probably realistically will say a four. It's probably a four. I just want to say a three point seven five to annoy certain people, where it's like, why aren't you giving it a five? <laughs> um, but I, I think that honestly, it probably is closer to a four. But I am just gonna stick with my guns and give it a three point seven five. I'll go with my gut on that one. Um, yeah, acting phenomenal. The cast just out of this world good. The gunfights. Real fun, real interesting. The visual effects, the sets, all of that, the the costumes, great. It's just, again, you can go back and listen to this half of the episode again. I had a whole list of problems, and despite that, despite me complaining almost the entire episode, this was a 3.75. That should tell you how good this movie is. Yes, sir. So I guess with that, do you have anything you want to add before we get out of here? Well, suffice to say, I think I'll go and take myself a nice sip of sarsaparilla. Nice. Also, uh, one last, one final thought I, I just happen to have. Did you know that in the scene where um, Val Kilmer is like in the bed at Charlton Heston's house, to get him to do that sort of like where he looks cold but he's sweating, they put a block of ice underneath the bed? Wow, didn't know that. And that's why they call him Iceman in Top Gun. <laughs> I, that's not actually the case. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just drawing a parallel line there um, yeah. where he's like, you know, he, he was he was put on ice. I mean, what's he could have he could have at least said at one point, "Cool it." Like that's that's all I ask for. But no, we couldn't do that. But I mean, what's cooler than being cold? Ice cold. There you go. I would I would outro this with uh, Outcast, but I would one hundred percent get DMC eight, even though I really don't make money on this podcast. Indeed. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. See you later. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show. And I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them. Those guys.
guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster, you know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license. <laughs>